0: So ladies and gentlemen, the breaking news of the day is in regards to Twitter and Elon Musk in which I actually believe is an incredibly important story under the surface. We've had the censorship industrial complex, Klaus Schwab, the radicals at Twitter, all of these people who were running Twitter prior towards Elon Musk's taking over were what I would call tyrants within the digital sense. They were imposing violence within the digital space. They were, I would say, put it clearly, they were just banning people who had alternative opinions and they acted. As the so-called Ministry of Truth, as many people put it, and which I believe is an incredibly dangerous thing to do so. So this is, inc- this is really an incredibly important story, in consideration of the importance of Twitter, and which is a very, very necessary tool for modern deb- debate and discussion when it comes to societal issues, so on and so forth. So in accordance with the Daily Wire, they had a piece on this stating that Musk is in talks to name the NBC Universal Executive and Top World Economic Forum official, is Twitter's new CEO, according to the report, Twitter CEO Elon Musk is reportedly in talks to name this new Universal head, NBC head of advertising. Her name is Linda Yakarino. How do you say this bad boy? Linda Yakarino, the CEO of the company, as he prepares to shift his role to executive chairman and CTO. Yakarino has been at NBC Universal for more than a decade, where her focus has been on finding the best methods for measuring the effectiveness of advertising. Musk announced on Thursday. That he had hired a woman to become the new CEO of the comedy, but declined to name her. Excited to announce he states, I found a new CEO for Twitter. He wrote on Twitter stating that she's going to be starting in six weeks and the role will be transitioning. Overseeing software, project developments, and psyopsis. Ha! Huh? <laughs> Yakarino is the chairman of the Wadigen Mark Forums Task Force on the future of work. So the focus of this really, really is to look at some of the past commentary of Linda, try to understand as to what Elon Musk's strategy is implementing this lady whom is part of the World Economic Forum, which obviously has caused, caused much confusion. And two, to look at an exclusive interview in which was about a week ago now. No one has actually covered this, apart from Danton.com, in which we posted the full interview that you can watch. And there's some very interesting comments that she makes, which, to be honest, rubbed me the wrong way, to put it bluntly. But there was one it, it, kind of clip in which is surfacing now upon Twitter, in which highlights some past comments in which Linda has noted, supposedly stating her agenda for inclusivity. Exact inclusivity, actually, and exact equality. I believe her agenda, as, as we're going to get to within one moment, was 50% woman and 50% people of colour, which is uh, an interesting philosophy, to say the least. According to this account on Twitter, I meme, therefore I am. Meet Linda Yaccarino, the new CEO of Twitter. In 2020, she had an interview and she praised Jeff Shell and Brian Roberts, her bosses, for taking the right steps to fight social injustice and and inequality. And Yaccarino commented on her company's progress to hire 50% women and 50% people of color. Let's take a look at this clip, which is very interesting, and then we'll get to the deeper issues in terms of the importance of Twitter and check out some of her interviews with Elon Musk.
1: I can talk about you know things that, that my company is doing to accelerate, right? To accelerate what we were doing already, but realizing that it wasn't enough. So what immediately started happening was that uh, under the leadership of Brian Roberts and Jeff Schell, uh, Comcast set up a fund to the value of a hundred million dollars to fight social justice and equality. And, and obviously supporting many, many important groups, but it really made a very public statement that we're gonna put our money where our mouth is, we're not going anywhere. And it inspired action across every corner of our company because what it also did was made the leadership of our company Accountable. We have this $100 million. What are you mm-hmm. doing? What's the update? Where are you with that? But it also gave a lot of us opportunity to say, here's our update. How can you help? What would you, lo- what do you think we should be doing? Right? So I think it's very exciting. And there's been a lot of exciting, uh, um, exciting steps of progress at our company because for a lot of companies, we needed to take a moment and actually open our aperture. I'll use maybe a TV or a film reference to say, okay, we thought we were doing enough. Clearly we weren't. So then we had to make sure we were taking the right steps to direct funds towards the right organizations, to make a public statement of accountability, like Cesar Conde, our new chairman of news, who made a public statement that was confronting editorial bias and saying my division our news division the biggest news division in the country is going to be 50 percent women and 50 percent people of color ambitious goals yes no doubt about it but a statement a stake in the ground with accountability and i'm happy to say there's many many other uh uh Examples of progress at at our company, divisions like mine, working with Ad Color and T Howard Foundation. So there's so many examples of us trying to listen, learn, but do. And 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 I'll say the do. I'll say where where our goal is really to be intentional about uh, when we go back and give those report outs that we're accountable and we're accountable uh, and we can report progress and that we're proud uh, of what we're doing. So I, I think it's an exciting time that's come out of such adversity for so many people.
0: So there we go. Uh, a fairly absurd kind of clip, in my personal opinion, in terms of this necessity for 50% people of color and 50% women. I believe she was talking about her organization, something of that matter. And the unfortunate reality is throughout history, we have seen that inequalities are present literally within every single regard. The relationship between inequality and freedom are extremely extremely clear if you study history just for one millisecond. What you can see is that inequality and freedom are eternal everlasting enemies, as I like to put it. In other words, when you try to suppress one, the other one rises. So this notion that the West is really pushing forward in recent times, which ties into what she was saying, was this idea of complete and utter equality. it's, It's basically this notion that any inequality whatsoever is a sign of white. Of, is a sign of white supremacy. Is a sign of um, the, the 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 patriarchal, capitalistic, evil parasites of the world. And this is really what she's tying into there. I don't think that if you don't have 50% 50% male and female, let's say, within an organisation, that is a sign of uh, the patriarchal, capitalistic, evil system. I just think that's a sign of perhaps competence. To it bluntly, and that doesn't mean women aren't competent. I'm not saying that whatsoever. That's a misinterpretation of what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that society is built upon competence hierarchies. And we should not be using these arbitrary metrics in terms of race or gender or whatever it is in terms of recruitment to an organization. We should use competence. It's important for society to have these meritocratic practices within place. This is how society moves forward. If you just look outside perhaps one millisecond, look at why, We have an amazing kind of society. We have life expectancy, which is rising through the roof. Just look at, for one second, outside, you can see a, probably in the sky, if you look up, you can see a tin can basically flying through the sky, 300 people inside. The reason as to why that is, is because of competence. It's because of the competence hierarchies, which are the foundation of society. And what really concerns me with this rhetoric in recent times, and which is, basically arguing for an abolishment of meritocracy, and competence, but instead the use of arbitrary metrics, namely race and gender, for example, in in, in a matter to kind of compute as to someone should be accepted within your organization. And you may argue that this is a trivial story at first. It's not at all, actually. If you look slightly deeper under the surface, there is always a deeper philosophy in which is kind of pushing people towards their philosophical motives or or political motives, I should say. The fall of the Ivy League institutions too is following the same path in which, in comparison to meritocracy, now arbitrary metrics taking precedent over competence. And for example, if you're a white American, top grade student, however you apply for a Harvard degree, a computer science degree, let's say, but due to the fact that at Harvard, they have these inclusivity metrics in place, despite the fact that you are the most competent student, solely based upon the color of your skin, because you are white, you are not given a place within the university. This is where this is heading, and this is very clear now than the university system, and which is something I entirely disagree with. I think that society should be based upon competent hierarchies because that is how society moves forward. It is very clear to see that competence matters when it comes to societal flourishing. I, I just think this is an incredibly regressive policy um, in which is being pushed forward and a principle that is being pushed forward within recent times in which these metrics, such as race and gender, are taking precedent over competence when it comes to gaining acceptance into an institution. I don't think that is nice. I don't think that is good. I don't think that is normal. I think competence and competent hierarchies are really, really important when it comes to societal flourishing. And the way to allow for a competence hierarchy to flourish is through merit. Merit is incredibly important when it comes to computing one's success. And in recent times, the fall of the Ivy League is so clear in which there's basically an abolishment of you know uh, IQ tests or any test within that matter and, you know, because they apparently kind of, I don't even know what point, what is their point? They try to abolish these IQ tests and, and, and tests of merit in consideration of the supposed claim that white people are evil. I don't even know their point. It's an absurdity beyond belief. What I'm saying is that this, this lady is basically part of a woke agenda. I'm sorry to say, I don't really like using that word, but it's clear. She is jumped onto this bandwagon in terms of the necessity for for, for kind of organizations to have 50% women, 50% male. And if that's not the case, I mean, that's a, sh- that's a sign of the, you know, the, the patriarchal capitalistic evil system in which male dominates poses societies. Utter nonsense. We should not be regressing back to old times, I don't believe, in terms of utilizing kind of skin color as a differentiating factor um, when it comes to society. I don't think that is the case at all. I don't think we should be regressing back into old times in which we utilize factors such as skin color as metric to separate people. I think it's a really divisive policy to, be, to, to put it bluntly. But it does get worse my friends, and the conspiracy theorists, I don't really like that term either, perhaps I shouldn't use that, but those who question things, I think, are, are, is, is the best way to put it. They're, they're more concerned by the World Economic Forum, and her relationship with the World Economic Forum, which is causing much, much concern. And some fans for Elon Musk, according to the Washington Post, have zeroed on in her work in relation to the World Economic Forum, in which is an organisation of political powers and brokers. Many are concerned that this lady is going to return to the old ways in regards to Twitter's major censorship campaign and the lack of free speech in which it was apparent. Now, personally, I don't like Klaus Schwab. I don't like the World Economic Forum. I don't like the alarmism and catastrophisation when it comes to climate change. I don't really like the commentary by Klaus Schwab. I think he's a bit of a creep, To be to, to be honest. I don't like their click and sprituous initiative for world, world government, which is unelected. So for many, I do sympathize with the fact that this lady is becoming CEO and they are deeply concerned as to her relationships with the likes of Klaus Schwab. And this is the real, real concern. Twitter, within the modern day, social media generally, and I would say the cyberspace overall, is fundamental when it comes to free speech and, and, and discussion and debate. What we saw over the past few years was a disgrace beyond utter, utter belief. We saw censorship within the digital realm, in which you, if you had, if you dared had a different opinion in regards to climate change or gender ideology or transgenderism in comparison to the consensus, boy, oh boy, you are going to hell, sunshine. That was their agenda. If you had a differing opinion in comparison to the exclusively left-leaning people who were running Twitter in their silly little office in San Francisco, wherever, wherever it is, if you dare voiced your differing opinion in relation to these radical executives, you were banned forever, even if you were a reputable doctor, as we saw many, many times within the case of Twitter, in which if you spoke up against perhaps the dangers of lockdowns, because there are dangers of lockdowns, then you were, you know, banned off Twitter, despite the fact you've been studying this for 595 years. This is my concern. This is everyone's concern. This lady who has clear links to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. She said some interesting things in the past, and she seems to be part of the white brigade. Put it bluntly, she is becoming the new CEO of Twitter. Many people are very concerned about this regression back towards prize states in which free speech is not allowed; and tyranny is what is pursued. That is the big danger that people are concerned about. But the point that I want to mention is: don't ever forget, please, because we as sapiens, seemingly collectively, have a very sh- a kind of terrible memory when it comes to societal events, but what we've seen over the past few years is what you see within communistic China or the Soviet Union, in which if you dare speak out in comparison to, to the consensus you are, an, you are an evil person. We can never let that happen again. It's really, really disgraceful. Free speech is paramount for societal flourishing, end of. So let's listen to the interview and a few clips that I wanted to highlight specifically, Elon Musk and the supposed new Twitter CEO. This is interesting.
1: We're here today to actually talk about your night job?
0: Uh, great, sounds good.
1: <laughs> but with Twitter, you've switched roles a little bit. You've, you know, your other companies, you move from inventor now to reinventor. And when you're inventing something, it's all new, it's a surprise. We don't know what to expect. To reinventor, you challenge legacy you challenge habits. With Twitter, many of us in this room, we might even go to bed with it in our pocket on the night table, you challenge rituals. And every marketing executive in this room knows the difficulty of a new formula and the challenge of the delicate balance of a rebrand. And now that's what we're gonna talk about today.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to make Twitter fun and interesting and informative, you know, the optimization for Twitter is uh, maximize the unregretted user time. So, um, so it's, it's not like total number of users or anything. It's just uh, total user minutes unregretted, and we we actually hit an all-time high um, uh, just yesterday. So, uh, the, it's gone well. It's 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 entertaining. <laughs>
0: so i think entertaining
1: um, is one you know, way some people in the room describe twitter today it
0: is I, I don't just from this interview to be honest i didn't get a very good vibe from her she seemed very pretentious it's kind of rich coming from me but whatever
2: huh. it's a bigger deal than you'd think um and it's the kind of thing that you don't know what you're missing until you don't have it and in a lot of places people don't have it and um so it's important to bear in mind that the nature of free speech is the, the, the acid test for it: is are people you don't like allowed to say things that you don't like? Otherwise, it's not free. It can't, it can't be just the things that it can't be just things that you like, because eventually somebody's not going to like what you say, and they're going to shut you up. And that's the, that's the essence of free speech and that's why it's the First Amendment in this country. And if we lose that, I think we lose the bedrock of democracy.
1: So the bedrock of democracy, I would imagine, is important to everyone in this room. And you talk about yeah. the importance of freedom of speech. Yesterday, you posted a new policy that was titled Freedom of Speech, Not Freedom of Reach. I've got my attention. Yes. Tell us about your new policy.
2: Right, so freedom of speech not reach um, is is important in that, um, you know, like if somebody has something hateful to say, it doesn't mean you should give them a megaphone. Train wrecks, arguably, are entertaining.
1: (laughs) Train wrecks happen sometime.
2: (laughs) They happen sometime
1: if you're dedicated (laughs) like a
2: train wreck (laughs) um
1: you got to be dedicated to fixing them but i think it's important to start with your vision of twitter 2.0 yeah you yourself wrote i would like to die knowing that humanity has a bright future it's actually been quite apparent in all your other businesses from the early days of paypal Mm -hmm. to tesla to spacex to maybe you contemplating a new ai company yeah. But how does the better humanity for the future fit into your Twitter 2.0 vision?
2: Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, with the, the, the goal with, with, with Tesla is to advance sustainable energy. Uh, with SpaceX, uh, we've got Starlink, which is providing internet to the least served in the world. Um, and also, uh, hopefully, getting humanity to Mars and back to the moon. Um, so we have an exciting future. I mean, it's important to bear in mind, like, so much people say, like, why waste any money on space? Like, don't we have enough problems on Earth? But, you know, the thing is that, like, everyone needs a reason to be inspired. People need a reason to wake up in the morning. It can't just be about solving problems. There have to be be things that really get you in the heart. I think I just killed the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, So, uh, and, and going to the moon, last century, inspired the whole world and, and uh, hopefully going to Mars to do the same thing. Um.
0: So there it is, the new CEO of Twitter, supposedly. Um, we're going to have her takeover in six weeks, but let me know your thoughts. I hope to the Lord Jesus that this lady doesn't impose the radical tyrannical measures in which we're present, prior towards Musk's kind of leadership. It's really, really disgraceful.